Welcome to Impact Talk from the Impact Measurement and Knowledge Team at Oxfam Novib. I'm Nisana Hekman. And I'm Patrick Geyer. And we're your hosts for this four-part series exploring the impacts, challenges, and learnings from the last five years of Oxfam's work on raising citizens' voice. This series focuses on what we're learning from the program towards a worldwide influencing network that Oxfam Novib has led in a strategic partnership with the Center for Research on Multinational Corporations and the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs. In this first episode of our four-part series, we look at examples of how Oxfam Novib and partner organizations in 16 countries have supported citizens to raise their voices on critical topics like conflict and security, the right to food, and securing the financing needed for development. Today, we begin with the questions, why is raising the voice of citizens so important? What are some of the impacts of this work so far, and what are we learning? Also, how have we connected local struggles for a just world without poverty to global ones through this work? So, our first guest today is Michiel Servaz, Executive Director of Oxfam Novib. Michiel, thank you so much for joining us today on Impact Talk. Well, nice to be here. Thanks, well, Patrick. It's great to have you with us on the podcast. I'd like to start with the question of why raising the voices of citizens is so important. And just for context, from our own polling data, we know that among the Dutch public, at least, the activities that people most frequently associate with Oxfam Novib are things like providing food and water and other humanitarian assistance. Raising the voices of citizens isn't something that most people associate with the work that we do. Yet that's been one of the major parts of one of our biggest programs for the past five years. So, I wonder, can you tell us why is raising the voices of citizens so important for Oxfam Novib and what's unique about this work? Uh, yeah, there are probably two answers to it. Eh? So one is is from a rights perspective, I would say. Eh? So based on human rights, you would say that everyone has the right to speak out uh, freedom of expression. Um, and therefore, you know, it's so natural to support these kind of activities. Uh, and I would also hope, by the way, that in a few years' time, people would know Oxfam uh, for that. Um, because uh, even all that other work, so providing food for, to people that, uh, that lack food security or people that are on the run for conflict, uh, have their rights denied in conflict situation, need humanitarian assistance... If you really want to make a structural difference, it needs to come from the people uh, themselves. Uh, the, the, the global strategic plan that the whole Oxfam Confederation worked on for the last couple of years uh, was called the power of people. And I think speaking out, changing their own policies, demanding their position in their societies is key uh, to that. Uh, so I'm happy with this program. We very much focused on that aspect of it. Great, thanks. And I uh, just wanted to ask you one question from our reporting on, on the program that you mentioned, the Strategic Partnership Towards a Worldwide Influencing Network. We've recorded more than 4 million people, about 4.3 million people raising their voices in some way through this work. Uh, so just for context, that's equivalent to almost one quarter of the population of the Netherlands. So that's a pretty, pretty big number. And I wonder if you could give us some examples of ways that people have raised their voices through this work with support from Oxfam Novib and partners. 
Yeah, sure. And maybe I should should start by saying how how important this program and the funding for it by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is here in the Netherlands, because uh, this this sort of funding is quite rare, unfortunately. Uh, but it's I think it's quite courageous from the Dutch government already five years ago or so that they decided on such a program uh, where they not just support um, developments or or the things we just just discussed just now, uh, but actually support voices, including critical voices, and I should say, including critical voices towards some of the policies of the Dutch uh, government. Uh, having said that, uh, where the Netherlands is one of the programs, or one of the program countries in that sense, where we uh, work, the full program uh, covers some 16 countries in Africa and uh, Asia. Uh, and there are you know, many, many examples uh, around. Uh, maybe it's good to say uh, that indeed we're focusing on three thematic areas uh, here. One is fragility and how you can support local voices uh, to increase uh, stability, basically, and inclusivity in, uh, in, in societies. And one of the nice examples, I think, is the uh, participation of uh, women in the police force in Afghanistan. One of the most uh, difficult countries, obviously, uh, to support peace and stability. But, but by having women in the police force and uh, having them participate there, uh, I think we contribute to uh, to the future of that uh, country. Maybe another example where you see the um, the link also with uh, the Netherlands is on um, on the right to food and uh, food security and value chains. So how does it work from a situation where a small far farmer in Africa, for instance, produces its food under certain conditions? all the way to the supermarket here in uh, the Netherlands. And, and here we actually raise the voices of Dutch people speaking out to demand fair working conditions in the products that they buy in supermarkets. And the petition that we raised, uh, that we initiated on that uh, aspect uh, was signed almost 18,000 uh, times and proved to be a, you know, an impactful influencing uh, vehicle for us. That's great to hear. And uh, that leads nicely to my next question, which is about the policy wins that this work has achieved so far. So we have recorded about 600 changes in policies of government. From it's amazing the, from, from how you national. produce all these numbers. Yeah, yeah well, it's, um, <laughs> we have some good, uh, good people working on that with us. So we've, we've right. recorded about 600 changes in the policies of governments all the way from the national yep. down to local levels and more than 270 changes in the policies and practices of businesses. Um, that the work of Oxfam Novib and partners have contributed to. So can you give us some, some examples of what all this raising of voice and public pressure has helped to achieve in the policy arena? Yeah, and, and by the way, it's important eh, to keep measuring those things because you always need to be able to demonstrate how our work has an impact in the real world, eh? real impact. And uh, um, maybe to take one of those, uh, those more you know, difficult Dutch examples, eh? the, the, the one that... Unfortunately, the Netherlands is known for is our tax policies. Um, even in, 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 in many international reports, uh, the, the Netherlands is still seen as a, um, a tax haven or at least a facilitator of tax uh, evasion. And, um, uh, that has such a direct impact on, uh, on inequality and, and extreme poverty also in this world that, that we find it crucially important to focus on. And here you see how this worldwide influencing network works because if you would do it just in one country you can't really change the system but because we work in different countries such as Uganda 
we can see how a, a tax agreement between Uganda and the Netherlands uh, plays a very uh, negative role in, in the position of that country. So we worked on both sides of it. In Uganda, the uh, tax justice alliance of that country put um, this item on the agenda and started the debate of uh, changing the, um, the double tax agreement that they have uh, with the Netherlands so that the resources that are gathered there by, by raising taxes basically actually benefits the people in that country for public uh, goods such as education and, uh, and healthcare. Uh, but we also uh, raise the issue here in the Netherlands and uh, I don't want to uh, uh, claim all the credits for it, but I think the debate on, on, on the tax system and how it's facilitated by certain uh, Dutch provisions is, is right on top of the political agenda uh, now in this, uh, in this country. And actually by demonstrating how it works out, uh, the negative bits of it in countries like Uganda also helps us here in the Netherlands uh, raising awareness uh, of it. Great, thanks. That's a great example. So to hear more about how we have connected local struggles for a more just world without poverty to global ones, it's my pleasure to welcome Antonia Musunga, Kenya National Coordinator for the Fight Inequality Alliance, and also Valentina Montonaro, Southern Program and Campaign Lead on Inequality at Oxfam Nova. Antonia and Valentina, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. It's great to have you both on the podcast. So, Antonia, my first question is for you. Can you please tell us a bit about the Fight Inequality Alliance? What is it and what makes it unique? Um, thank you, Patrick, for having us, and by extension, the Fight Inequality Alliance here in Kenya and all over the world. So the most thing about uh, the most unique thing about the Fight Inequality Alliance, which is a global movement that pushes to counter excessive concentration of power and wealth in the hands of the elite few, with the objective really to achieve a just and fair, equal, sustainable world, is that we are a collective and a movement of many of many people in our multiple identities in our membership. So um, our membership is not just traditional NGOs and so or organizations other or INGOs. It's a collective of INGOs, national organizations, activists, artists, community-based grouping, social movements. And really, really the second thing is um, the approach that we use, which is a focus on the people on the front lines of inequality coming together, joining hands together, and leading on the change we want to see a fair, just, and equal world. And we also, we are very, very particular on staying focused on the structural causes of um, inequality and power concentration. And we use very creative ways, uh, you know, to dismantle power, to question power, to question what it means to have such concentrative power in the hands of the elite few, but not just focusing on the elite, but what it means on the other people on across the divide. So I'd say in a nutshell, that is what um, is most unique about the Fight Inequality Alliance. Let me just add something here. I mean, Please, go ahead. Uh, like, I think what's unique of uh, about FIA is also, uh, as Antonio was saying, like they're really diverse. So you would find like uh, uh, in Kenya, in the National Alliance, uh, like uh, a super cool hip-hop uh, uh, figure like uh, Giuliani, 
and you would find like uh, a group, uh, uh, a local NGO working on like mental health in Kenya, but also a women rights group and so on and so forth. And they're also very innovative, I would say. Um, I'm sure like um, Antonia could expand on that, but one of the uh, first Uzawa festival, which means um, equality festival, came about because uh, the alliances really wanted to make um, slum dweller feel uh, what public services and access to good public services look like. And so mm -hmm. what they did, they put up like a festival that apart from like, you know, music and art was bringing in uh, access to public services. So you could uh, go and test uh, for uh, cancer. You could see uh, you could have like uh, um, a public school. Basically, you had session on science uh, for kids. So I think that's also very distinctive of what they do. So they're really like strong rooted radical thinking. Um, and they have like a grassroots base and they're really like not NGO style. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it's not only a critique of the things we don't like in the world, but also providing some positive examples of what we want to see more of. Is that, uh, is that a fair assessment? Really, maybe just to give you a little background of why that example is important. So the way the Alliance has, was formed is that they are quite older activists who've organized over 30 years of activism quite new people like myself who just started my activism journey, you know, less than 10 years ago, and people who just joined the alliance a year ago. The thing is, in the Kenyan context, there was a time when public services, the public interacted with public services. They could go to a hospital, get your medication for as little as 20 shillings, which is cents to the dollar. Um, but then now comes this time where we're trying to fight for a new, fair, and just equal society. But some of us have never interacted with access to public services, which is one of our entry levels for campaigning for, against inequality. And so the idea to create the Usawa Festival was based on that. So that for a day, even people like myself who've never gone to a public hospital and gotten the services can leave that reality for a day so that as we campaign as we advocate for inequality and access to public services we've lived it for a day and so we are able to picture really what our future would look like of course uh, being <laughs> the fight inequality alliance artists are very involved in messages in in draft in in creating content and all that because we recognize the importance of art in communicating and changing social mindsets. Okay, great. Thank you. And um, uh, a question now to you, Valentina. Can you say a bit about how Oxfam Novib has supported the growth of the Fight Inequality Alliance? And what, what role has Oxfam Novib had? So we supported the alliance um, mainly through um, funding and strengthening their um, technical capacity, uh, but also uh, linking uh, the national chapter with our off offices and partner in countries, uh, but also supporting uh, access to some of the um, opportunities and fora that uh, they might not have been invited to. Too. So an example is Davos, um, where last year uh, the Pan-African Coordinator for Fighting Inequality Alliance um, uh, was invited together with uh, uh, Oxfam uh, ED. 
and uh, managed to speak up to um, to, to politicians, private sector, and uh, people from that uh, arena. Uh, at the same time, I think that's really important because um, allow also the fighting inequality uh, to um, to gain a bit more visibility, but also uh, to cross with other social movements. So um, we we've seen Jockey, which is the Pan African coordinator of FIA, uh, meeting with Greta uh, during one of the uh, Friday for Future um, gathering. That's that's Greta Thunberg, the the, the youth uh, environmental exactly, activist, exactly, yeah. climate activist. And so in that sense, uh, this exposure allow also the inequality movement. To uh, to join in forces with the climate movement, and that uh, I'm sure would uh, will will, uh, will will lead to other outcomes because the whole idea of FIA is also uh, connecting the struggle of different activists. Okay, great. So you mentioned Valentina, the the Davo World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, uh, the annual meeting of uh, kind of the global political and economic elite, and that um, one one thing we were able to do was to to help an activist connected with the Fight Inequality Alliance get a seat at that table. Um, Antonia, I wonder, do you have some other examples of how the Fight Inequality Alliance has helped uh, bring other voices not usually heard in global fora? Uh, to the world stage? Uh, so, yes, um, one of the things that we've also done now during uh, COVID-19 is organized both at national level and global level. And um, at a national level, really, really calling for a pro-people-centered response led by national governments, especially here in Kenya, but also across other countries like Zambia, South Africa, Mexico, etc. And, um, um, and and at a global level, connecting that with the call for um, accessible, uh, for a free and accessible vaccine that will be accessed, uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccine rather, that will be readily accessed by um, the people, uh, anyone really who needs it and by the people who and the vaccine should not be used for profit-making purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that during the People's Assemblies, uh, which was in October. And so the rallying call across the 10 countries that did that was to say, look, while national governments are responding, they must respond in a way that COVID-19 uh, does not exacerbate further inequality. It has exposed inequalities in our country, yes, but it shouldn't mean that people will continue being pushed behind, like I like to say, at a global level calling for a pro-people's vaccine and the process really to be as fair and as transparent as possible to ensure people access, access that vaccine in a way that is both uh, in dignifying, but also that the vaccine should not be used for profit-making. For us, uh, raising people's voices is very important because um, as an alliance, we believe that um, everyone's experience is important and they have a voice and the language to describe and explain what has happened, but also propose the solutions. We believe that people living on the front lines of inequality have the solutions and that leaders all over the world should pay attention to what people are saying as tangible solutions. That said, one of the key moments that happened was uh, Joki, who happened to also be Kenyan, uh, going to Davos to attend the World Economic Forum. And uh, on that day that um, she was speaking in, in, in Davos, 
we also had uh, what we are calling the Usawa March, and we marched to the office of the president and presented a memorandum of demands that we were demanding that they, they, they implement so that we are able to fight inequality. So, um, and during the match, really, there was, uh, before the match, there was a lot of aggression, you know, police threatening to tear gas and all that. But also, it, it um, the, the Joaquin's presence in Davos gave us the legitimacy we needed to, one, be able to make it to the office of the president, but also get uh, invited to sit in one of the budget committees that usually welcomes members of civil society. So unfortunately, because of COVID, we've not been able to attend those meetings. But once they recall, uh, they, they figure out how we are going to be engaging remotely, we will be able to take part in budget, uh, in that budget committee as the Fighting Equality Alliance. Okay, great. Antonio and Valentina, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick, for having us. So, Lisana, we've heard from Michil about some of the big numbers of people who've raised their voices through this program and also some of the policy wins that Oxfam Nova and partners have had over the past five years. And then Antonia and Valentina helped us zoom in on how the Fight Inequality Alliance is working to build a more just, equal, and sustainable world, working from the slums of Nairobi all the way to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. What are some of the things that have struck you so far in these conversations? Um, well, I think the first thing is that citizens can face real risks when they raise their voice. Um, so, for example, Antonia mentioned the VIA activists in Kenya who faced the prospect of violence from the police when they were presenting their demands to government officials. And I think that that is something that we'll touch upon in the coming episodes as well, where we'll learn about risks in different contexts. Um, and I think a second takeaway is that the coronavirus pandemic is already closing down some ways for citizens to have influence. Um, so Antonia mentioned um, people trying to want, wanting to join meetings of the budget committee in Kenya and being unable to. Um, so that shows that people have to find uh, new and innovative ways to deal with this new reality. So what are some of the other questions that all this prompts for you, Lisa? Well, it definitely makes me wonder what kinds of risks people uh, face to raise their voice for a just world without poverty. And I'm also curious about what we're learning from all these different examples and how the pandemic is endangering the progress that we've made. So we asked Michiel Servaz again, Executive Director of Oxfam Novib, to help us answer these questions. Michiel, what are some of the risks that people we work with have faced among those 4.3 million people who have raised their voices so far? Well, you can imagine that speaking out uh, in a country um, where human rights are not that natural as, as they are here or where there are regimes that um, uh, do not appreciate uh, opposition at all, so to say, it, it takes a lot of courage from people. And we see a lot of... Uh, very brave activists working with the partner organizations that we uh, work with in uh, in certain countries um, and and that can mean that you can get into difficult situations and um, we try to stand in solidarity with them provide them with support uh, if necessary and also learn between countries because eh? sometimes you can learn from situations in run countries how you can mitigate some of those risks uh, in other countries so linking people with each other is an important aspect of it Great. And that makes me think about learnings 
from this work. So you mentioned uh, linking and learning. One thing that we've learned from our research in this program is that the belief at the personal level, the belief that it's possible to make a change in one's community is one of the key drivers that leads people to raise their voices for the first time. So they have to have that belief before they take the action. So I'm wondering, do you have some thoughts on what we as Oxonovib and others in the development sector can do to help people feel that they are capable of making a change? Yeah, I think it's 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 one of the crucial aspects actually, and 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 sometimes I would even like to um, prevent us from using the word development sector or development organizations. I think we are actually in the business of change, and we see so many injustices in this world still, some growing even, uh, also because of the pandemic uh, now, um, and and it is organizations such as Oxfam, but you know, because we are working with these courageous activists and change makers in other countries that can make a change. And if we demonstrate the, the, the wins that we just discussed in this particular program or in others and uh, connect uh, activists and, and organizations, change makers between countries, I think they can believe that they can make it, make that change because it does happen. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's our main message. It should be our main message in the Netherlands as well. If you want to con contribute to this change, become part of this movement, so to say, not just the Voxham Novip in the Netherlands, but this whole community of change makers, uh, across the world. Got it. Now you mentioned the pandemic and we should note that while we're recording this, much of the world, including here in the Netherlands is currently enduring a second wave of coronavirus infections. What impacts is the pandemic having on opportunities for citizens to raise their voices? It, it differs from country to country. Yeah? So on the, on the short run, it doesn't get easier, to be honest. Yeah? So both the economic aspect of it, yeah? the impact is enormous, maybe even bigger than the impact of the, uh, of the virus itself. Uh, but you also see in some countries, unfortunately, that civic space, the opportunity to speak out is, uh, is, is even more limited than it was before. And so for the, all those people, those change makers, the activists that we're supporting, it's even more difficult or it takes more courage uh, to speak out. Having said that, I think, um, you know, this whole moment of the global pandemic also offers a unique opportunity for a reset or building back better or whatever you want to call it. But I think the awareness that, that some of the systems in our, wor in our world today just don't work and that we need to do it differently, that this is a unique opportunity to do so, uh, should also give you know, new energy to change makers uh, around the world. And, and well, that, that's my hope, at least for the future. Great. Well, thank you for ending us on a, a hopeful note. And uh, most of all, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this morning. Thank you. A big thank you to our guests today, Michiel Servaz, Antonia Musunga, and Valentina Montanaro. Thanks also to Eric Bonestoppel and Anna Autis. This edition of Impact Talk was brought to you by the Impact Measurement and Knowledge Team at Oxfam Novo. Find out more about this work at www.oxfamnovib.nl/strategic-partnership. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time when we'll talk about Oxfam's efforts to support the integration of women into the Afghan National Police Force. Talk to you next time. <laughs>